what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Top stories this hour as the world marks World Press Freedom Day. Reporters Without Borders have released a World Press Freedom Index. The African Union and South Africa's Arts and Culture Ministry to launch Africa Month celebrations at the Cradle of Humankind World Heritage Site in Marubeng in South Africa. And finally, rescue workers pull out a one-year-old girl from the rubble of a collapsed building in Nairobi. Good morning, I'm Jolani Tulo. As the world marks World Press Freedom Day, Reporters Without Borders have released a World Press Freedom Index. It shows that Namibia, Ghana and Cape Verde are the best places in Africa to work as a journalist. The index has been published since 2002 and measures the flow of freedom of information in 180 countries. Europe has the freest media followed by Africa, while North Africa and the Middle East are the most dangerous and restricted regions to report the news. Show and Bryce Peace reports. Reporters Without Borders has created a color map index ranking countries from good to bad. The dark areas are mainly found in North Africa, the Middle East and parts of East Asia, which are ranked the worst. Europe dominates the top 10 of the index with Finland ranked the best place to work as a journalist. South Africa is the fourth best in Africa at 39 on the list while North Korea and fellow African country Eritrea have the ignominious honor of being the worst place for journalists on the planet. Rescue workers have pulled out a one-year-old girl from the rubble of a building in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. The Red Cross says the girl was severely dehydrated and is currently receiving medical attention at Kenyatta National Hospital. The death toll is so far standing at 21. Aid workers said on Monday that the chances of finding more survivors were unlikely after the building collapsed on Friday night. Senegal and the United States have signed a cooperation agreement to ease the deployment of American troops to the West African nation to counter humanitarian crisis, natural disasters or terrorist attacks. Around 40 U.S. Department of Defense personnel are currently stationed in Senegal. The U.S. Embassy in Dakar says the number will not increase under the deal. It sets out the rights and responsibilities of future U.S. access to Senegalese facilities for joint training and possible troop deployments. The pack is the first of its kind in sub-Saharan Africa and will bolster Senegal's ability to respond to growing challenges.
African nations are ready to step into a greater role to fight climate change ahead of this year's UN Climate Change Conference, COP22. That's according to Saeed Moulin, in charge of public and private partnerships of the COP22 planning committee. The conference will be held in Morocco from the 7th of November to the 18th, Moulin elaborates. Southern countries are more and more involved in this field. The Kingdom of Morocco has a strong proactive policy for renewable energy and energy efficiency. At the same time, both are helping us to reach our objective of CO2 emissions. It's a strategy allowing, of course, the development of renewables, solar, wind and hydro projects, but also very important in the strategy, industry integration, job creation, R&D with universities in southern countries. It's a huge opportunity. We're saying that for the southern countries are not responsible of climate change. They're living the climate change. And finally, at least 10 babies are reported to be infected with Klebsiella in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province. The opposition Democratic Alliance has urged Head of Health in the province, Dr. Sbongiseni Thlomo, to act swiftly and decisively to contain the alleged outbreak. Klebsiella is a multidrug-resistant bacteria which can result in life-threatening illnesses such as pneumonia and urinary tract infections. DA Provincial Health Spokesperson Imran Kika. The department itself has confirmed nine such cases. This is habitual of the department, in my opinion. Not too long ago, we had an outbreak at Ngozi Albert Lutuli Hospital of another superbug. There, too, there was no communication with the public. What concerns us greatly is that very often other causes of death are written down rather than attributed to the outbreaks of these superbugs. Recapping the top stories, as the world marks World Press Freedom Day, Reporters Without Borders have released a World Press Freedom Index. The African Union and South Africa's Arts and Culture Ministry to launch Africa Month celebrations at the Cradle of Humankind World Health World Heritage Site in Maropeng in South Africa. And finally, rescue workers pull out a one-year-old girl from the rubble of a collapsed building in Nairobi. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the African uh, frequency to 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, remember, today you can also listen to us on DSTV. We're on Channel 902. And also, if you're joining us online, we're streaming live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be looking at a very interesting fact. The World Heritage Fund continues its uh, 
100th or rather 10th anniversary celebration of promoting Africa's heritage. The world, uh, the African World Heritage Fund rather is a fund which provides implementation for the focus of uh, really creating projects that aim to protect natural and cultural world heritage properties on the continent. This month marks uh, uh, the 10th anniversary since the fund was launched 10 years ago. Uh, today we'll see the start of a two-day seminar on African world heritage. That's the theme, that's the theme thinking ahead. And it's going to be taking place uh, from today and tomorrow at the Cradle of Humankind. And really there's a lot of prominent uh, uh, figures there from the African Union, from UNESCO, and also from the South African government who are there part of this conversation. We joined right now by Luanda Sitol, who's an event specialist of the African World Heritage Fund. Luanda, thank you for giving us your time. Hi, thank you, and yeah, hi to all your listeners. Now, Leander, tell us a little bit about the African World Heritage Fund. Maybe many people don't know what it's all about, what it represents, what it stands for, but what is the African World Heritage Fund? Okay, um, we are really, we were launched on the 5th of May 2006 at So with really the mandate to contribute to the effective conservation and management of cultural and natural heritage of a standing universal value on the African continent. So that's really what we're about. We look after the heritage sites around Africa, and we are recognized internationally. We are a category two um, um, uh. well, organization under the auspices of UNESCO. Okay. So that's really what we are about. And in terms of facilitating these projects, who'd be kind of responsible for the main kind of on the ground looking at these heritage sites and who would kind of specifically look at which properties need to be pr- protected? Sorry, can you just please repeat that? <laughs> the sound in here is so busy. I was just asking you basically like in terms of who identifies the projects themselves and who actually facilitates them, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who is responsible for that part? You know what, we have so many partners and as I mentioned we are under the auspices of UNESCO so uh, the Department of Arts and Culture is really the department that hosts us but we have the Department of Environmental Affairs, partners such as um, Robin Island as well, as you know, Robin Island is one of the uh, prominent world heritage sites recognized um, worldly. And so it's all those various partners and the African Union as well. So all those departments and elements are responsible for, for that part of things. Now tell us a little bit about the happenings. I know you're celebrating the 10th anniversary as it was launched in the 5th May 2006 in South Africa as well, really with that mandate that you highlighted to contribute to effective conservation and management of cultural heritage. Tell us a little bit about what the celebration is going to comprise of. Well, the celebration is a a year-long celebration and it entails the youth forum, which is a regional youth forum actually, that started on the 28th of April, that was done in, in Cape Town. It's still um, well, continuing, it ends on the 4th of May, where we had 24 participants, participants from various African states to share the ideas about heritage and, you know, ways they can contribute further in promoting uh, the sustainability of um, our heritage sites. And also just uh, with regards to the, to, to the entrepreneurship elements where they can see if there are any opportunities for them in that specific area. So that program ends on the 4th. But concurrently, 
there's a seminar that starts today. It's a two-day seminar, third and fourth. It ends tomorrow, where we have participants and experts and professors from really around the world, representatives from Spain, from Norway, from from your African state, your Nigeria, your you know, really a selective, all-inclusive, um, a, a bunch of experts that will tackle the really uh, tackle more. Sorry, the areas of our world heritage, but also discuss climate change, you know, and that ends tomorrow, and then the highlight will be the African, the Night of African Legends, that will really a, a, a Department of Arts and Culture initiative, and the seminar is in partnership with the Department of Environmental Affairs, and then we have all these side events that will be happening, there's one in Turkey that will happen from the 10th to the 18th mm. of July, and then one in Kigali, which is it's going to happen with, um, sorry, the AU Summit, the, mm. the, the Head of State Summit in mm. Kigali, also from the 10th to the 20th of July. So there's really a wide variety of events, but also all geared towards the celebration of our 10th anniversary. Mm. And in terms of that youth element, why was it important for you to guys get young people engaged in this kind of a, a celebration? Well, I mean, there's really, you can never neglect the, the, the youth and, and the way things are in the economy. They actually are the, the future leaders of, um, they're the leaders of tomorrow. You know, they're future leaders. So we couldn't neglect that element. And, I, once we, uh, and the Regional Youth Forum specifically is, a, is, a, is an annual event. So, and this year actually is the first time that it's hosted in Africa. So South Africa is hosting it, but it rotates. And it's always been in Europe, the UK, you know, various other parts of the world. So it's the first time, which is really a highlight. And it ties in well with our 10th anniversary celebration. So it, it was important so that they can feel that they're part of, we want to hear their opinion. You know, the, the, we want to let the youth know that their opinion matters. And just get suggestions from them, hear from them where they'd like to see um, outside well, where would the, they'd mm. like to see areas of development in, in terms of our heritage sites, you know, and how they can contribute further and see those as a, a means of career paths, mm. you know, as, your, as opposed to your normal, your accounting, your marketing, your, which are equally important, but that not, we, we want them not to neglect the area of heritage. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to you, Luanda, and we'll kind of try bring in the Arts and Culture Department of South Africa to speak more about really the African World Heritage Fund. This is an event that's taking place today and tomorrow at South Africa's Cradle of Humankind, which is a very prominent World Heritage Site in South Africa. What are your thoughts around heritage? What does it mean to you? What does it represent for you? And do you think that we're doing well as a continent in making sure that we're preserving our heritage? It's a huge celebration that is currently underway. It's been taking place uh, really for the last, will be taking place into the month as you heard there from Luanda Sitolo who we're speaking to who's the event specialist of the African World Heritage. Give us your thoughts. Remember you can email us at info at channelafrica.org or you can WhatsApp us on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. That's plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. Give us your thoughts there. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to take a quick break and then we're going to look at the issue of what is heritage how do we define it how do we actually break it down and why is it so important as defining societies after this break hello listener 
Join Channel Africa in its 50th anniversary celebrations. Channel Africa is turning 50 in May this year. Join us as we move through memories of this station since 1966. Desmond Tutu is a human rights defender and Nobel Prize winner from South Africa. He became world famous in the 1980s as an opponent of apartheid. During that time, Desmond Tutu was active as a bishop for the Anglican Church in South Africa. He was awarded the Nobel Prize of Peace in 1984 for his leading role in the movement to resolve the problems of apartheid. Now join Channel Africa from Monday to Friday at 900 hours Central African time when we bring you the radio series Desmond Tutu, The Authorized Portrait. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And today we're looking at the African World Heritage Fund as it celebrates its 10th anniversary in South Africa at the cradle of uh, humankind. We know UNESCO is involved. The African Union is there as well. Uh, various uh, stakeholders of African governments, I'm sure, are also attending this big event that is underway. We're still trying to get hold of the arts and culture spokesperson, Lisa Combrink. But right now we're speaking to Luanda Sitole, who's the event specialist of the African World Heritage Fund. In terms of heritage, you work with heritage a lot, Luyanda. In terms of you guys defining it, how do you actually pinpoint this kind of loose term, what heritage means in terms of, of projects? Luyanda, are you there with us? Luyanda? Luyanda, are you there with us? Well, I'm not sure what's happening. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear us very clearly? Yes. Can you hear Sorry? us? Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. So, Leander, we were just asking you that question, basically, on how do we actually define the term heritage for you guys in terms of it being very broad. Sometimes it can be such a broad term. But how do you bring it down mm. in terms of it distinguishing um, actually nations and cities and uh, countries? How do you come to this term of heritage? You know, personally, it's, for me... Um, I think I'd like to start from that element. It, it really, it, it's the root, the root of, of our being, you know? And um, so why can't we nurture and take care of the platforms that have really assisted, assisted us in, mm. in being who we are, you know? Sure. And also, we have very, so many people that fought for those, I'll call them platforms mm. to, to, you know, to be the way that they are. So we strongly need to make sure that they they in a state that is um, that is appealing, mm. which is where we feature as the African World Heritage Fund in making sure that we preserve our roots, we preserve our background, we preserve our our our, our, our nature, you know, and that we also inform the public that they need to visit these, these, these sites because there's so many of them. In South Africa mm. alone, we have, we have eight. You know, and Nigeria, uh, 
which is a, a, a big um, country in Africa, only has four, you know. Mm. So you go to Mauritius, you find that they, you know, but they haven't been visited. People would, in South Africa, people would only tell you maybe about the Cradle of Humankind, um, Robben Island, but what about all the others? You know, people need to, to know more about them, and in that way, they can nurture and be able to, to take care of them. Mm. And in terms and of, we, we sure, Leander, that takes me to the kind of the topic, basically, that is part of these two-day seminars, African World Heritage, the main thing being thinking ahead, looking at these kind of historical landscapes. How do we actually take heritage forward? And I'm sure that's going to be really the big debate and the discussion uh, during these two days. No, absolutely, absolutely. But, I mean, the African World Heritage Fund cannot do it alone. We need um, the public to assist. So that's how we can take take them forward. We need to educate the youth to be able to take up careers in those spaces so that they they can know more about them and and also assist in preserving them and know that when you get to a heritage site, you, you don't litter. You don't, you know, you put your, your, your rubbish in the bin and, you know, because we, we, we're dealing with those issues where people visit these sites and, you know, the cleanliness aspect of it. So education is very important, exposure, you know, and, and just publicizing our works as much as possible, which is really our aim through the, the seminar and through the initiatives of the 10th anniversary celebration. And also, just uh, as we're about to just uh, wrap it up, uh, just in a few minutes with you, um, Luyanda, I want to look at the idea of how do you actually create that space where there is public participation? Because sometimes when it comes to heritage funds, I remember when I went to one site in South Africa, in Pumalang, almost when you enter these heritage sites, they're asking for fees. It seems almost like a privilege to enter heritage sites. Most of them, you almost have to pay for them. How do you make sure that they are accessible and we actually make sure that people get involved within these spaces? Well, unfortunately, you know, everything needs funding, you know, to make sure that it's sustained. And to sustain something, you need to make some sort of contribution. But from an element of starting a career in that space, that it means you'll just get a job and you understand what I mean. But for the public, they have to play their part monetary as well, you know, but there are open stations. I know at the Cradle of Humankind, you do find open stations where people, there are open days where people don't necessarily have to pay for the guided tour, you know, but to help maintain the standards and keep these heritage sites to a level that we want them to be, unfortunately, you know, there has to be some sort of contribution, but there's the various departments that I, I, I keep on mentioning, Arts and Culture, Environmental Affairs, and um, Department of International Relations, rather, they also have those, um, those sections where they, they nominate people that they can take under their wing. Chief them, well, there's a heritage department at Environmental Affairs, there's a heritage department at, at Arts and Culture. You know, it's really just about surfing the net and just trying to find out as much information and, and, and the, the websites are really uh, quite self-explanatory, you know. So there are those opportunities. For example, some of the seminar participants that were, um, or that are currently at Robben Island for the youth, regional youth forum were sponsored by the various departments. So it's, the departments are, or, or, and government rather, are playing their part. From the African World Heritage Fund, we also 
you know, are playing our part. We sponsored all the flights for all the participants and accommodation. So there are those initiatives, but obviously it can't be on a regular basis where it, it, things are for free. Mm. So, sure. you know, mm. if you're very passionate about something, you you'll set aside means for it. Mm. Leander, let's just uh, look at it. I don't know, from your p- perspective, working at the African World Heritage Fund, what sticks out for you about heritage in terms of maybe the different projects? Maybe there's something that you've seen, you're like, wow, these things are actually amazing and we need to actually continue this kind of work, the work that you do. Yeah, everything about it, okay? Every, everything about it. Uh, well, for my, um, for my, um, well, for me, rather, I'm more fortunate because I get to learn about it in depth, you know, besides visiting all these various sites and knowing about them. And, you know, it's just the educational aspects that, that form part of it. And um, really so many of these, 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 these side events as well that will be happening abroad where you get to understand that government also sees this as of importance. You know, they are really doing about it, uh, something about it. And they are, from their, from, from their participation with the embassies, you know, they are doing about it. I think doing something about it, it's just that it's not that well known. I think the publicizing of it is what is lacking. But once you get a taste of what happens inside, you know, which is really where the fortunate part for me is. I, I can't. I don't think there's enough time for me to really be in more detail about my mm, work. Mm. But it's, and it's not just events related. We have exhibitions as well. Sure. People can go to the Museum of Africa in Newtown, Museum of Africa. Get to see our exhibitions. Even now, as we do the seminar, there's exhibitions, different exhibitions. The theme for the exhibition is Africa Under Attack. So mm. it's... It, it's part of the, the education and awareness element of what is happening around the world with our fight, you know, because they are currently under attack. Mm. So there's, there's exhibitions that are open up for the public that people don't even need to take for to educate themselves. Mm. As we're about to wrap it up, in terms of uh, taking this forward and actually making sure that from one generation to the next generation, we actually preserve heritage, uh, what are your thoughts in terms of making sure that we've got that on lockdown? <laughs> That's a trick question, right? Um, you know what, the next 10 years is exciting for us. You know, we've completed the first 10 years and where we intensely looked up the, the, the 14 more sites that will be, that will be launched uh, properly at the Night of the African Legends, hoping to do the same in the next 10 years. But for us, really, to get more platforms like this, I think that was really what was lacking from an AWK perspective, where we know what we're doing and what we're about, but getting it to the public has, and the private sector as well, because as a, it, it, it's a fund which also needs funds as well, you know. But when people don't know about it and what our works are and what you're doing about it, it becomes quite difficult. But for the next 10 years, it's really about um, doing more forums, not necessarily mm-hmm. from a regional perspective, but in South Africa alone, you know, getting more youth involved, involved getting more participants um, on board hmm. and starting really so these seminars are, 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 are 
worldly known, but when it comes to South Africa and getting participants from South Africa, it becomes difficult, you know, because they're not exposed. Mm. So I think the exposure element is what we'll focus on in the next 10 years. Yeah, well, thank you for giving us your time, Luanda. That's Luanda Sitola, Events Specialist of the African World Heritage Fund. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back after this. If you have friends and family in the United States of America who enjoy staying in touch with news from home, tell them they can call 605-475-1711 and listen to Channel Africa from any mobile phone. The best part is there is no extra cost for the call when it originates from the U.S. So tell your friends and family in the U.S. to listen to Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, today we were looking at this, uh, the African World Heritage Fund. It was celebrating its 10th anniversary celebration. But it seems like we can't really get some of the other delegates there. We're trying to get some of the people to come into a conference room there and speak to us about the importance of African heritage and uh, how do we actually take it ahead. But it seems like we were not able to actually get them there because right now at this particular hour, the Minister of uh, Arts and Education, uh, Arts and Culture rather, is actually speaking right now we'll see if we can try get the arts and culture spokesperson lisa combrink but hey we'll continue the show but let's get a quick song and then we'll uh, continue after this she don't try to hide it. Diamonds on the sword, this is she wins. Empty as a bucket, empty as a bucket with nothing to lose. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. 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 Talking about diamonds on the soles of a shoe. 
Desmond Tutu is a human rights defender and Nobel Prize winner from South Africa. He became world famous in the 1980s as an opponent of apartheid. During that time, Desmond Tutu was active as a bishop for the Anglican Church in South Africa. He was awarded the Nobel Prize of Peace in 1984 for his leading role in the movement to resolve the problems of apartheid. Now join Channel Africa from Monday to Friday at 900 hours Central African time when we bring you the radio series Desmond Tutu, The Authorized Portrait. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
you have friends and family in the United States of America who enjoy staying in touch with news from home, tell them they can call 605-475-1711 and listen to Channel Africa from any mobile phone. The best part is there is no extra cost for the call when it originates from the U.S. So tell your friends and family in the U.S. to listen to Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. Hasim Bonanga, Hasim Bonango Mandela Tina, La Pecona, La Pecelicona, Hasim Bonanga, Hasim. La pecona, la pecelicona. Well, that is uh, Johnny Clegg there, and uh, that is Asimbonanga. And uh, yeah, that takes us to that question we were asking about heritage today, the African World Heritage. It's celebrating its 10th anniversary celebration. Seems like things were busy there. We got on only the opportunity to speak to Luyanda Sitola. There was the event specialist of the African World Heritage Fund. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts around heritage? What is heritage to you? Is it a place? Is it a site? Or is there more to African heritage than just sites and memories of spaces and places? Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can 
can WhatsApp us on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven, or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tweet us at Channel Africa One. It's time for us to quickly move on. Let's get our economics update from Wisani Matebula. Thanks, Benjamin, and good morning. After an extended period of strong economic growth, Sub-Saharan Africa is set to experience a second difficult year. This as the region is hit by multiple shocks. According to the April 2016 Regional Economic Outlook for Sub-Saharan Africa released by the International Monetary Fund, growth in the region as a whole is projected to fall to 3% in 2016. The International Monetary Fund says the African continent needs a substantial policy to reset, to reapply the region's strong potential. Corivo's president, Alassane Ouattara, says the country will break up its long-standing electricity and water monopolies and introduce competition to reduce prices. This amid growing public concerns over price increases. The government decided in June last year to increase electricity prices by 16% over three years to keep pace with production costs. Under the arrangement, electricity prices were scheduled to increase by about 5% in January next year. The South African Communications Workers Union has vowed to shut down post office services across the country from Thursday. CWU plans to embark on a strike to call for casual workers to be employed permanently. The union's president, Clyde Mervyn, says the Western Cape, KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng provinces have given them the green light to proceed with the strike action. Mervyn says all employees of state-owned companies have received salary increases except post office employees. Our issues are very simple. We are saying convert all casuals, equal work, equal pay. And the last one is if workers have salary increase for the last two years. So, so workers are ready. All what we need to do is to make sure that the post office will shut it down so that they understand the message that workers for two years have suffered. Casuals cannot work for 20 years without full-time contract of employment. To West Africa, now in Nigeria, where the country plans to begin exploratory drilling in search of oil in the northeastern Chad Basin region by October. The state oil company says Africa's biggest crude exporter may be on the verge of a significant oil find in the Lake Chad area. Nigeria, Africa's biggest economy, has been hit hard by the sharp fall in global oil prices because uh, it relies on crude exports for around 70% of government revenue. And in Mali, the country cut its cotton production forecast for 2016-2017 season to 650,000 tons from a previous estimate of uh, 750,000 to 800,000 tons. The cotton season opened last month in West Africa's biggest cotton producer. The late rains had drenched crops and disrupted ginning in most regions in January this year, hitting out output. 
Now for a look at your financial indicators, the dollar trading at 14.22 South African rands at 10.43 Botswana Pula 9.51 against the Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.68 to the British pound and 0.87 against the euro. Commodities now gold $1,292 and platinum at $1,079 per fine ounce. Brand crude oil hasn't moved any inch. Last week it was at $46. 20 cents per barrel, and the number is still the same. That's how it's looking this hour. I'll be back in an hour's time with another update. Desmond Tutu is a human rights defender and Nobel Prize winner from South Africa. He became world famous in the 1980s as an opponent of apartheid. During that time, Desmond Tutu was active as a bishop for the Anglican Church in South Africa. He was awarded the Nobel Prize of Peace in 1984 for his leading role in the movement to resolve the problems of apartheid. Now join Channel Africa from Monday to Friday at 900 hours Central African time when we bring you the radio series Desmond Tutu, The Authorized Portrait. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Now it's time for us to get our sports from Musiburi Makura. Thank you, Benjamin. Good day, sports fans. And starting off with cricket news, Pakistan's news um, new selectors on Monday dropped star players Shahid Afridi, Ahmed Shahzad, as well as Omar Akmal from next month's tour of England, stressing there would be no compromises after the country's disastrous exit from the World T20 Cup in India. Former Afghanistan coach Nzamam Al-Haq, um, Al who is heading up the newly formed selection committee as part of wholesale changes following last month's tournament humiliation, announced 35 players would also attend boot camp starting in Kaku from the 14th of May to the 4th of June. Nzmam Al-Haq said Afridi will continue playing the T20 format after resigning as captain in the wake of the event and needed more time to perform in domestic matches. Pakistan will play four test matches of five one-day internationals as well as a T20 international on a two-month-long term of England. On to football news, Liverpool FC legend John Barnes has highlighted the need for Africa football federations to invest more in youth football if they are to realise potential talent development in the future. Barnes was in Uganda over the weekend to encourage football um, talent development among the youth. The ex-England international notes that Africa has abundant football talent, but the negative perception towards football, especially in East Africa, is what derails talent development. I've been coming to Africa for the last 10 years, West Africa and South Africa, and the talent that the kids have in Ghana, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, England, Brazil are all the same, aged between 8 and 12. Obviously, opportunities are greater in Europe, 
and of course the development of the children from 13 to 18, there are more opportunities in Europe. But when you look at the 7 and 8 year olds that we have been working with today, they're no different to the 7 and 8 year olds in England. On to local football news, goals from Gift, Sitole, as well as Ndomiso Mabena helped Platinum Stars down Orlando Pirates 2-1 in the APSA Premiership tie at the Royal Buffalo Sports Palace on Monday afternoon. Sifiso Mieni scored for the visitors as they now sick, um, sit in sixth position with 39 points and Gavin Johnson's men occupy third position with 47 points. Gavin Johnson says he's delighted with bagging all three points. We defended well tonight. If I compare this game and the game of last week, then last week we played better football. Uh, the score doesn't tell you that because it's 4-1. So everybody thinks we got a hammering. Those who didn't watch the game, I don't think we got a hammering. Uh, we played better football. Today, we defended well. We took our chances as we planned. We scored the goals and we were up against a very good team. A team that is full of running. A team that always runs at you, never gives up. We had to be prepared for that and I think the boys have to take credit because they were prepared for that and yes there were times when we played out okay but nothing compared to how we played out last week. Meanwhile Orlando Pirates head coach Eric Tinkler knows it was a disappointing performance by his charges. Yeah, obviously we're very disappointed having lost this game you know we were on a very very good run we knew that this was going to always be a, a very tough place to come and collect three points you know irrespective of what you might have seen in their last game against Chipper you know you can never take things for granted and uh, in terms of our preparation we spoke about the individual battles that would exist out there tonight and the importance of us winning those individual battles but first off we didn't do that they were winning every ball every header every second ball they looked a lot quicker more comfortable on the ball than what we did we look very very cagey and nervy you know the goal comes from that we deal with the corner very well but we react extremely poorly to the second ball and we got punished and finally in athletics news olympic 200 meter champion Alison felix has pulled out of the diamond league meet in doha this week because of a minor ankle injury she picked up while training felix wants to open her season by running in the 100 meter uh, meters in qatar on friday and it was also or rather is also scheduled to run in the 400 meters at the prefontaine classic at the end of may part of her preparations in attempting to run both the 200 and the 400 meters at the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in August at the Frontine Classic. Felix is set to go up against Olympic 400 meter champion Sanya Richards Ross at Haywood Field on the 27th and the 28th of May. All those are your sports news at the South. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, that's how we wrap up the program today. Thank you for joining us. Coming back to that question we were asking, what does heritage mean to you? Remember, you can give us your thoughts. Uh, send us your messages on our WhatsApp number, which is on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. So you go into WhatsApp and you send that message on that number, plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven, Or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org or tweet us at channelafrica1. That's how we wrap it up for today. We'll be back with you tomorrow.